3: Free bird, yeah. All right, Burgundy Gold today, Team 90 streaming live in the free Odyssey app. We're going to get to the NFC playoff picture after last night coming up here. Also, uh, next segment we'll get into some Giants things, including uh, whether or not they're really interested in bringing back Odell Beckham Jr. And, you know, if you're Odell Beckham Jr., do you really want to play Daniel Jones? I mean, I, I don't know. I, not to be a jerk, but I wouldn't. Uh, so we'll get to that. My friend Dave Rothenberg from ESPN New York uh, coming up at two fifteen. And what's the feeling on the G-men uh, in New York? Have they already tapped out of what they thought they would be this year, or is this a team that still has got the backing of the New York City faithful? At seven and three. I mean, they're still seven and three, by the way. I mean that's you know surprising. Needless to say number one, but still very much in the thick of it. So in the NFC right now, Eagles are your number one seed, Vikings second. Uh, the 49ers would be the third seed in the division winner in the West at this point. The Buccaneers would win the South at five and five at this point, be the fourth seed. After that, it goes like this. Cowboys, uh, Giants, Seahawks are the three wild cards. Uh Dallas wins the tiebreaker with the Giants based on the head-to-head. Uh, Giants, Seahawks, seven and three and six and four. Commanders a game back at this point in the eighth spot. But again, they got two games against the Giants coming up. They got a game against the Falcons, who are right behind them at five and six. I mean, Detroit's actually in this thing still. I mean, it's four and six. So it's very, very jumbled, frankly. After the Eagles and the Vikings, I mean, it's really jumbled after that, and the division winners. I mean. And all the wild card teams are right, you know, just right on top of each other. And there's some head-to-head coming up, which is important um, in this stuff as well. Over in the uh, AFC, it is, you know, Kansas City, the top seed, Dolphins, Titans, Ravens, all your division winners. The Bills is a wild card, right? Somebody's going to be unlucky to face them early. If that were to hold, if that were to hold. Uh, followed by the Patriots, who at six and four. And again, if you've watched much of the Patriots this year, don't ever tell me coaching doesn't matter. I mean, <laughs> this guy's performing witchcraft with what they've got going on on offense. I mean, talk about void of skill position players. I mean, jeez. I mean, only Bill Belichick, the coach, could bail out Bill Belichick, the personnel man, uh, in terms of what they've put themselves into with some of the players. But incredible. You win a game without scoring an offensive touchdown last week against the Jets. Uh, then the Bengals at the seventh spot, just getting in based on head-to-head over the Jets, and then, you know, this is the Jets and Chargers uh, right there. So, you know, if you're scoring at home, the quarterbacks that would not make the playoffs this year include Russell Wilson at this point, David Carr, not David Carr, Derek Carr, sorry. <laughs> That's funny, David Carr, yeah, he never made the playoffs. Uh, Justin Herbert. Among the guys on the outside looking in, Aaron Rodgers, you can throw in that list as well. Kyler Murray, although he's not really been playing. Um, obviously, Matt Stafford also sort of not playing right now. Among the the usual suspects kind of guys in terms of the playoffs, all on the outside looking in. And yet you'd have playoff quarterbacks in the NFC like Geno Smith, uh, Daniel Jones, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, of course, again. You know, just to name the ones that aren't maybe what you would expect it, then obviously in the AFC, Tua, you know, Mac Jones, you know, kind of the underrated ones, underexpected ones. So it is not your, you know, it's not your normal year. I mean, is, this is why what the commanders are doing, and they're doing it in their own way. It's a little different. But, I mean, this is what Tennessee's been doing forever. You know, running first, you know, defense, complementary football, they drew it at a better level. I mean, Derek Henry's a monster, absolute monster. I think Tom Laberio referred to him as Marion Motley yesterday, which was quite funny. Some of you had to Google that, but anyway, that you know he's a wrecking crew in his own own right. You know, but there, there's definitely this idea that everybody's going to be you know willy nilly whipping the football around. Although we've changed all the rules, you know, we like to throw flags on uh, offense, you know, defensive PIs. We want scoring up and all this stuff. You know, we're protecting the quarterback at a level where, you know, at times this year it was embarrassing. All that great stuff. But, I mean, the, the teams, there's a lot of teams that are playing it, you know, you could call it old school, whatever you want to call it. I think it's physical. It's the stuff that travels usually in the postseason. You know, defense travels. Running games usually tend to travel. No. Would you like to have Pat Mahomes as your quarterback? Of course. You know, yes. But you know, those guys aren't readily available. Those guys aren't readily available. But there are more than one way to get it done. You don't have to be throwing it fifty times to make the playoffs. Matter of fact, it's more likely than not you're not doing that. You, you know, you can you can play. There's other ways to play and win. They still keep score. They don't ask you how you get to the points. It's still to have more points than the other team. So yeah, it's sexy with Josh Allen and the Bills do when they're flying high on the Chiefs and and all these teams, but. You know, there's more teams that don't have those freaks at quarterback that do, and they've got to figure out other ways. Now, it's as great as Tua and Tariq Hill have been together, and that's exciting what they're doing. I mean, a big part of what, you know, they're doing at Miami, of course, is running the rock. I mean, they've taken that same running system, and, you know, McDaniel was the running back's coach for Kyle, so he knows what it's about better than anybody it's been very successful for them. I mean, the the addition of Jeff Wilson just over a few weeks has been crazy. Him and Mostert, I mean, that's been dynamic over a couple-week period uh, for those guys. It's going to balance them out and help Tua hopefully stay healthy. Because when Tua's been on the field, they've been terrific. It's kind of wild to think that Tua may have been actually available was it last season or the season before? I guess the season before. Well, I even late last year. There was some discussion because of the whole Deshaun Watson thing. The Dolphins infatuation with him. And that Tua could have been available uh, for, you know, trade before last year's trade deadline. I remember talking about this. And people were like, nah, I don't really like him. And at that point, there was not a whole lot to like on the NFL level. But It's amazing what a new coach – Yes, a stud-wide receiver that opens the field for everybody can do for you. It is interesting. It's also interesting to see what an injury to a wide receiver could do to you as you see this Justin Jefferson thing happening in real time with the turf toe and how horrific the Vikings were this past weekend. I mean, just horrific. And you get a, give a ton of credit to the Cowboys for the way they got after Cousins and just feasted on them. And their defense was at a high level. You know, it's crazy to think they look so bad in stretches against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers who haven't been able to do much of anything this year a week ago and then come into that game and just, you know, curb stomp the, the Vikings the way they did. It was impressive. Hell of a bounce back for the Cowboys. But I, I have a feeling this is going to be a continuation coming up on Thursday on Thanksgiving Day, which is frustrating because, I again, enjoy – the Thanksgivings are much more enjoyable when they lose. I don't know. We'll, we'll try to – you know, muster up some hope here that that could happen when uh, we're talking about the Giants coming up in the next segment with my friend Dave Rothenberg, but I don't know. Bills, Lions, you know, Cowboys, Giants, Patriots, Vikings. You know, by the time you get, like, that turkey tired, it's going to be really easy to pass out watching the Patriots and Vikings. I'm not going to lie to you. Although it probably end up being an intriguing game because, you know, on paper you're like, all right, the Vikings, no problem. But, again, it is Bill. I mean, do you think Bill's really concerned about the holiday? I don't think he is. Guy's going to have something ready. He can take away whoever your best player is. And that's usually Justin Jefferson, but if he's on one foot, not so much. He's on nine toes. That's the problem. Turf toes, no joke. And playing through it, you know, good for him, but I don't know how effective he's can expect to be be interesting to see I think a lot of times it's insert obviously pain tolerance all those things that, that come into play here uh, for those players but certainly the first week of it was not really encouraging uh, for them it was good timing for the Cowboys right to get into that game I mean he just he wasn't the same guy and they weren't the same team you know they were definitely not the same team but they had been pointed out by some of my friends that are absolute Kirk Hazer Kirk haters <laughs> Kirk haters it's hard to say that this has been a long time coming for the Vikings because they've been winning and they have again this negative point differential now after the ask whooping they just took, but they've been in a lot of close games and eventually it was going to come come to roost and it did it did this one wasn't even close, so uh, but I also think the injury let's not underestimate how huge of a deal that is. you know that is a uh, big issue. All right, coming up, we'll talk Giants, Cowboys, and uh, what the Giants think about their chances of being a postseason team. With Dave Rothenberg from ESPN New York joins us. Straight ahead, Scott Jackson with you here, Team 90, streaming live on the free Odyssey app.
2: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
3: All right, Brittany Gold today here at Team 9 streaming live on the free Odyssey app. Scott Jackson with you when you're watching turkey day football this weekend of course even if you're a commanders fan you'll be rooting for the new york giants this weekend i I don't care what the wild card implications are it's just again the two teams you root for your team and whoever's playing dallas and so giants let's go giants go big blue on thursday that's how i'm looking at it bringing in right now a guy who will agree with that formula dave rothenberg from espn new york uh joining us via the betql guest hotline what's happening dave
1: hello scott how are you thanks for having me on man
3: hey good to talk to you um I would imagine, you know, look, I've had to suffer through these Thanksgiving Day things before. Uh, They can be good, they can be bad, depending on how you win. I mean, in your household, how is this being seen? Is this a curse or a blessing that the Giants will be playing on Thanksgiving Day?
1: This is awful. I mean, absolutely awful. It's only the third time the Giants have played on Thanksgiving Day in, in uh, the history of the game. And the, the one we all remember was the one Lawrence Taylor had that crazy interception in 1982 against the Lions. And then they played the Cowboys in 1993, and they lost 30-3, to and Jimmy Johnson was blitzing at the end of the game. And now this one. So... You know, I love football. I can't get enough. I yeah. think, you know, like like everybody, every American that's just you know, you just love football. I don't know, there's something nice about not having your team play on Thanksgiving. And I don't have that blessing this year, so now I have to, you know, stress out and watch Giants Cowboys and yeah, it's it's gonna be uh it's not what I'm looking for, but you know, as a fan, this is the burden we bear.
3: Now wait a minute. I, I do believe you're missing one and it was a, a horrific game, I'm not gonna lie to you. But the but Washington the Washington Redskins were playing the Giants a few years ago and it was that bonus game and it was a it was a Sunday it was a Thanksgiving night I oh, believe.
1: Oh that Thursday that Thursday night. Yeah, maybe the Thursday night. Yeah, I it think, was the night one, which doesn't yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the meat of the day, I think it's only. Uh, yeah. Because the Thursday night games don't even feel like they're at Thanksgiving games, right? Well, Those I usually are, fall asleep
3: yeah. during them. Um, and I'm not going to lie, that year doing post-game, I'm pretty sure I did fall asleep watching it. But anyway. Yeah,
1: and I don't even think anybody noticed, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> All
3: right, let's get to what's going on with the Giants. I mean, they were riding high, feeling good. You, you lose to the Lions at home, I imagine. People have taken that extremely rationally in the upstate New York area and the greater part of New York City as well because your fans don't do anything crazy like that. But what has been the reaction since then? Is now the calculus suddenly changed in this team because of that? What has been the reaction?
1: Yeah, I, well, I, I think that people are, are unrealistic for the most part, right? I try to be – I mean, I'm a crazy Giants fan and love them and cover them, but I, I try to be realistic with my analysis of them. And I think a lot of people – like you see 7-2 and you think, my God, is this a team that's going to go to the Super Bowl? It's like, no. No, they're they're just not that good. And we've had that yeah. discussion on my show a lot this year of how how the hell are seven and two? Like this team should not be sitting here at seven and two. But they are. And then you get a, a wake up call against uh Detroit, a team I think they, I don't think they're bad. Like they're they're fine. They are what they are, right? Their offense is decent and they're they're getting better, but that's not a great football team. And you get hammered by them at home. So um, I think, you know, all of a sudden now you're 7-3 and, and now you have injuries, right? I mean, your you're best receiver, you don't have a lot of receivers. Now the best one, Wondell Robinson, he's out for the year with an ACL. Your best corner, a Dory Jackson, he's out for a couple of weeks. The offensive line is kind of a shambles right now. So it's it goes from 7-2 and can we win the division and how good can things be to, oh, oh my God, are we going to get into the postseason? And I think there's... There's real reservations about that. I mean, you look at their schedule, and it's Dallas this week, which nobody expects they're going to win. You have Philly twice. You have Washington twice. You have Minnesota on the road in Minnesota. And, you know, I know what they did this week, but for the most part, that's not an easy game. And then you have Indianapolis at home. So I think nine might get you in in the NFC this year. Are there two more wins for the Giants? Can they go two and five? I don't know. Can they go three and four? That's asking a lot. So I, I, all I'll say is this. It's been so bad for so long. Like, you know, the Giants haven't been above 500 in five years. To be talking about meaningful, important football on Thanksgiving is a blessing for the Giants and their fan base right now.
3: Well, I remember talking to you last year during this Joe Judge thing. You you were down and out. I mean, it was bad, right? And to see what Brian Dayball did, and look, this was an example of people kind of flash this in front of Ron Rivera a few weeks ago when he was playing the woe is us card and we haven't had enough time. And people were like, wait a minute, Brian Dayball's been there not even a year, Ron, and he's got a quarterback that he doesn't necessarily even want. Uh, how do you explain that? So, I mean, this guy's done some amazing things this point. And, I mean, how, how do you think they got to the 7-2 and two before last week's that back and uh, is that a formula that is anyway you know able to kind of be brought back in, you know in order to get as you said at least those two to three wins they need?
1: Uh, I don't know because the schedule is tougher now, but you know they do have a couple wins. You look at it. like wait the Giants beat the Titans right? I mean opening game the yeah. Giants beat the Titans. The Giants when they were good and everyone was high on them, the Giants beat Green Bay. The Giants beat Baltimore. How do these things happen? So sure. their recipe has been their defense is not great. But when you get them into the red zone, now they become staunch right now. They become stout. So they allow a lot of threes and not a lot of sevens, which as you know, is a big deal. And then offensively, I think they're opportunistic. I think they they've hit on, you know, a couple of good runs this year and, and everything is close. And, and there's not a lot of wiggle room. There's not a lot of margin for error. Other teams have kind of, it's almost like a fighter that they go into the fight and it's like, all right, how long can I keep this fight close late late into the contest and then eventually just, you know, outpoint the opposition? And it feels like that's what the Giants have done. But you talk about Brian Dable. I mean, I don't care what happens from here on out. This guy's clearly the answer. And I remember talking to you last year and we were talking about Joe Judges. He was a disaster. I mean, an absolute disaster. You remember the game against Washington. The guy's taking quarterback sneaks on second and third down. One of the great embarrasses in the history of football. But, yeah, this, I mean, Brian, he's good. And, you know, look at what he's done. Right, he, he had Josh Allen, and he turned him great. He had Mitch Trubisky, who looked like he was done, and he changed and resurrected his career. And Daniel Jones was a guy that people looked at and said, oh, God, he's lousy, and he's playing the best football of his career. So I don't think it's coincidental, and I don't think, you know, and re- realize what they had. They, they were up against it cap-wise so badly this year that they had to cut James Bradbury. Not that they wanted to. They had no choice but to cut some of these guys because of how bad the prior regime and Dave Gettleman was and were. But now, I mean, even if they win eight games and miss out on the postseason, it's only a matter of time before I think this team is going to be really
3: good again. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think uh, they've done some good things there. Obviously, retooling the front office was huge as well. Uh, Saquon Barkley, what, he's obviously being on the field number one, huge huge uh, step in the right direction for him. But now I guess the tough part, right? He's also a guy, free agency. Is, is there a way for them to make this work without you know not making sense for them?
1: Um, I mean, can you make it work? I, I mean, I think two years, twenty-eight million makes it work. Here's the thing, Scott. You know, you, I mean, the second contract of running backs, it, it, outside of Derrick Henry, is there anybody? I mean, you think the Cowboys are like God? Thank God we kept Ezekiel Elliott. No, right? I mean, right. it never it never pans out. You think the Panthers are thinking to themselves, oof, that McCaffrey deal? What a great one that was for us." No, it does not work out. The shelf life of the running back is about four, five, six years if you're lucky, unless there's the outlier like a Derrick Henry. So, you know, listen. He's a terrific talent. He's an elite running back. He's not young in running back-wise. He has real injuries as far as a a running back is concerned. And I think the question has to be, what's the future for this guy? So if you can keep him on a team, you know, decently friendly deal or franchise him for a year, then you go at it. There's no way. There's no way you're giving this guy like one of these five years, $65 million lock in him for years, because that would be be franchise malpractice. And I think these guys running the organization are just too smart now.
3: Dave Rothenberg's with us uh, talking about the uh, New York Giants to get ready to play the uh, Cowboys on Thanksgiving days with us here from uh, ESPN New York here on the team that streaming live on the free Odyssey app. Where did this Odell Beckham Jr. return to New York talk start? Is that an agent thing? Is that Where did that st- come from?
1: Well, he, he showed up at, at the Giants facility. I guess he's tight with Sterling Shepard and tight with Saquon, so he just kind of showed up and they gave him a, a conversation and you know, kind of gave him a tour of the the entire place again. I guess, and you know, I, I don't know. He says he wants to win now. Right. I, I don't. I don't understand how that would equate to going to the Giants. I mean, listen, Kansas City's banked up a receiver now. I mean, that would be unbelievable for them for him. I think Dallas is, you know, maybe a receiver short. That would make sense. Uh, I don't. I don't know why the Giants would make sense other than. Maybe he feels like he has unfinished business here. And, again, he doesn't want to come to a team and just finish the year and then be a free agent again. He wants to find a home where he's going to be for an extended period of time. So the Giants also have to think, is is this a guy that we want? Is this a guy that we want to now build around? Because remember, and I know you know this, last time he was here, it didn't play out so well. So is that somebody, you know, has he matured? Is he a better version of himself? I don't know. But the nice thing about the Giants' final is you feel like there's adults running the room, and Joe Shane is smart and has had a good off season. I think the future is very bright. But I would be very surprised if Beckham signed with the Giants after Thanksgiving.
3: Yeah, and I just wonder too for a quarterback that isn't on the firmest of ground, if, if Odell Beckham in his ear in the huddle would be the best thing for a guy like Daniel Jones.
1: Uh, and, and what happens if Daniel Jones is not the quarterback next year? Right. right? What happens right. if there's a guy they they identify in the draft? they're like we really want, you know, I mean, Phil the yeah. blank, Will Levis or, or one of those guys. Sure. Now you're going to have now you're going to have Beckham with a rookie quarterback. I mean, and when that rookie quarterback makes their semblance of mistakes, now what happens? So again, and the Giants are not on the verge of winning. I, it, it would be very strange to me if he signed with the Giants.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, just, I thought it was an interesting story, and I had forgotten that he went. That's right, he went to facility. That's where that whole thing. is. I just heard yeah. him talking about it again, and I'm like, how does this make any sense? But yeah, I, I to me, you're right. Cowboys or man, the boy. If the if the Chiefs were to pull it off, that would be silly, yeah. absolutely silly. Hey, by yeah. the way, uh, Dwayne tweets to me to say he wanted me to see if you um, wanted to pump up the Stump Rothenberg segment. Oh, really? Yeah, he's he's a New York guy. He listens to it all the time. He used to listen to it all the time. Said it was very good. The Stump the stump Rothenberg. What was that? Was yeah, that
1: like trivia? Yeah, it's a segment we do. By the way, just to give you the live and latest France just scored, we're tied at 1-1, France-Australia. Thank I goodness. know your listeners are clamoring. I know they're clamoring for they it. They are. I, I it's a strictly football play. show, know.
3: but we can talk both footballs.
1: Yeah. Um. So Stump Rothenberg, uh, it's funny. We It started as a segment on my Saturday show years ago. And I said, I was like, you know, brag. I said, boy, I know. A lot about a lot of stuff. My producer's like, why don't we just do some kind of a trivia thing? I said, okay, let's, let's do it. So we started it, and it wasn't even sports centric. It was just like, you can call and ask about anything you want. And then it just morphed into a really fun segment. And then management, because you know, management did the worst, right? So they right. got in the way. And they, they're like, we, we, if it's not sports, we don't want it, and we're canceling the segment. And there was like an outcry. People were like, it's such a great segment. How could you not do it? You got to right. continue to run with it. And, they, and then management came back and said, well, you know what we'll do? If it's sports, we'll allow it. Otherwise, uh, no. And I said, you know, forget it. I said, I don't need to do it. I said, I'm not doing it. Just sports. It's got to be anything, you know, politics, right. government, what, whatever, geography. So there was a groundswell of people that pushed for it. And uh, and it came back, and it's very popular. And then on my weekday show, we added it, and the ratings are really good for it. So, yeah, so it's basically you can call with, with any question you have, which is, you know, within reason. You can't be a jerk, but within reason. Right. And you ask a decent question, and, and most times I get it, sometimes I don't, but it's fun. Yeah, we do that on the show.
3: I would do 99.9 FM, the fan trivia for you um, from Raleigh when we worked <laughs> together, and I, I'm sure you would nail it all because you have a much better memory than I do. But it would probably be something Tim Hall-related, uh, which which would be funny. But uh, anyway,
1: Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it wouldn't. I'm sure like three people got that, but I'm, <laughs> I'm sure it would be very entertaining.
3: It would be. It definitely would be. Um, all right, hey, enjoy Thanksgiving if you can. I, I hope, Look, I'm – I know the, you know the numbers say we should probably be more concerned about the Giants here, but, you know, whatever. There's two head-to-head games ahead. You know, I, I'm rooting for the Giants on Thursday. I'm not sure that's going to help you, but anyway, hopefully uh, <laughs> I
1: don't think it's going. I don't think it's going to, but we'll take all the help we can get. Have a great Thanksgiving, and I'll, I'll talk to you soon,
3: Scott. All right, great talking to you today. Take care. Dave Rothenberg, happy Thanksgiving, buddy. Uh, good to talk to you here uh, today. All right, ESPN New York, he's on nationally, he's on locally up there. He's a baller. But uh, good dude, we worked many, many years ago in Raleigh. We were both outsiders, and we both didn't last very long either. <laughs> we're both back where we started. <laughs> it was a good idea on paper. I mean, it really was. It was a really good idea on paper. Execution of it wasn't all so hot. Again, management it does matter. Management matters in this industry. All right, uh, coming up. We will uh, get back to some of the commander stuff. All right, we got thirty minutes to go. You want to you want to do some? I, what am I thankful for for the season? Stuff is that too corny and too cheesy? I mean, this is my last day on before Thanksgiving. You can do it if you like, or you can get back to the topic at hand that we had earlier at three zero one two three zero zero nine eighty, which was how did this commanders team in your mind? What's been the biggest turnaround from this one and four to six and five? Why? Why one and four to six and five? Get to your thoughts on that coming up. It is Burgundy Gold today. Scott Jackson with you here on the Team 980 Streaming Live on the free Odyssey app. Burgundy Gold today on the Team 980 Streaming Live on the free Odyssey app. I was watching this um, or listening to a report earlier on ESPN about Odell Beckham Jr. And I guess Jerry Jones had been talking about him today or whatever. I mean, again, Dallas – yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The Chiefs makes a lot of sense. The Giants makes zero sense. It really doesn't. Um, I would say the same thing it wouldn't make any sense for this team either, uh, for that matter. But, yeah, it doesn't doesn't add up. I mean, when you start looking at, like, what people have to offer, what people need, how they'd fit in, and, and, again, what is his criteria, which is one of which is winning, right, winning big, going to the Super Bowl. I see the Rams are certainly off that list now. They're not going anywhere at this point. Uh, especially if Matt Stafford's not playing, not that it looked good even with him this weekend prior to the injury, you know they were you know they were in a dogfight against the uh, against the uh, New Orleans Saints. so yeah, I would say does not add up, does not compute to uh, being a fit at this point, but you know hey stranger things have happened. Like you know they mentioned maybe it's like an unfinished business. you know like gosh, I wish I'd never left New York. I really like New York. maybe it's that. I don't know. who knows? But if again, if that's really what he wants, you know, winning now was important. It doesn't seem like a fit, even though they are seven and three at this point. And but one of the good stories, no doubt. I mean, they've been a good story. And it is a you know, hey, the NFC East has gotten its back. I mean, right now everybody's above five hundred after the Commanders win over the weekend. You know, Dallas should have been a or is still even though they're not poss- they're probably not winning the division, but they're still a true Super Bowl contender. I would say you know, Philadelphia is certainly at this point still the team to beat in the NFC, along with, you know along with fill in the blank. If you want to buy into the 49ers, that's fine. If you don't, okay. But they've been the best team throughout the season through these several weeks. They've shown that, you know, commander showed they're beatable. Hell, the Colts dang near beat them this past weekend. But the margins are thin. I mean, everybody, there's no team that is just head and shoulders dominant above the rest at this point. Everybody's got their own vulnerabilities. they got their own weaknesses. But Philly does have a lot to offer. Philly does have a lot to offer, and they will get, eventually get Jordan Davis back. They added, you know, two vets, you know, Indomicon Sue, if he gets in shape, when he gets in shape, is he in shape? I don't know. But he could definitely be a be a big boost for them. You no, know, There's no doubt about it. Could be a real boost for them. So that was a savvy pickup by them a few weeks ago, for sure. You know, that's a. Um, that's kind of one of those, like, a, we're all in for a championship kind of moves. Kind of like the 49ers, you know, selling the farm for. For Christian McCaffrey, and look, he looks really good in their offense. I mean, I I understand that part of it is just that I'm, you know, cr- frankly, I was brainwashed by the Shanahan's <laughs> to believe you didn't need to spend big on backs because you know there were a dime a dozen. You know, you get backs anywhere. You could get a Jeff Wilson, you get a Raheem Mostert, you can know, plug and play anybody in this position. You can get a, a Ryan Terrain. You know, to go back to the to Mike Days here. You know, you don't you, you grab Alfred Morris in the seventh round. You don't need to you don't need to overspend on running backs. But damn if they didn't just do that with that trade, not only the draft stock they gave up to get him, but the money that they owe him on that contract is just kind of crazy for a guy who uh, has also been a bit injury prone recently. Bit injury prone. And he's really right now been more of a, more of a receiver for them than a runner at this point. And that's what he can be too. I mean, he's, you know, He's a pretty first pick in fantasy football for many, many years for that very reason. But, you know, here and now, you know, that's really what he did well last night. And, you know, pretty impressive um, that they went all in like that with Jimmy G as their quarterback. You know, good for them. Good for, you know, Garoppolo. I mean, it's going to be weird if they part at the end of the year. Like... Like how long, how far do they take this thing, and then they ended up parting their, you know, parting ways at the end would be pretty nuts. Uh, I mean, would really, I mean, and it's going to happen. I mean, because they have to. I mean, he's not going to be the guy. He's free agent and will get out and test the market. And he's going to be, unless something else breaks, the number one guy on the market, you know, assuming he doesn't get hurt again. It's kind of crazy. It's just like they can't they. They need each other, but they don't want to, They don't want to admit it. They don't want to commit. He's going to go somewhere. When it's all said and done, is it? will be at the end of this year. Whether that ends with a deep playoff run or maybe even a Super Bowl appearance, but even then, they're they're still going to have to stick with with the kid who they vested in. I mean, they're going to stick with Trey Lance. They pull that draft stock, and they showed their hand. I mean, there's no turning back at this point. You wouldn't think. I guess it's not over till it's over, but it sure feels like uh, that once they tried so poorly to uh, move him this year, but that surgery just screwed everything up, they couldn't do it. All right, Commanders and Falcons on uh, Sunday. A couple uh, things to point out, too, that kind of bizarre about the uh, the Atlanta Falcons. You know, we were talking about earlier how they were like just outside of the top 10 in scoring, uh, yet. You know they're great rushing offense, but they don't have a single rush, running back among the three that they rotate in, or you know Marcus Mariota is is a active runner. It's over 500 yards in rushing, and you know talking earlier to Dan Matthews about the whole pitching idea it looks almost like a pitching rotation the way they use it, which is kind of fascinating. But that's worked pretty well for them. But they have. Um, they obviously need this game, much like the Commanders need this game, if it were to get into a tiebreaker with one another in the wild card spot. Because right now, the Falcons are outside looking in in their division just by, you know, the half game against Tampa. They have the same bye week as the Commanders, by the way. So in a couple weeks, they'll be on the bye as well. These late bye weeks are weird, but it could be great for the Commanders. I mean, in my end, actually, you know, at the beginning of the year when you saw it, and you're like, oh, this is terrible. This would be the worst thing ever. It might end up being pretty good for them because they're starting to get people back. And that little break in between for the guys that have been grinding all to this point, that you hope you know over the next couple weeks, knock on wood, you, you get to that break without any any severe severe setbacks, you'd be in a, be in a great spot because you're again you're adding and it's like uh, you know here comes help for the ca- here comes the cavalry so to speak, and the one that's interesting to me of all of them you know besides Holcomb on defense is Wes Weitzer on the offensive line if they can get him back because remember he was. He was going to be a starter. He was a starter at the beginning of the season and then got hurt, you know, also had to move the center Then was injured. And then obviously where they are there. So would they reincorporate him at center? Uh, would they reincorporate him potentially at one of the two guard positions? I think he can be an upgrade. The The whole thing with, with Schweitzer has always been and always will be health. I mean, he's he's been really productive when he's in there. He's nasty. He's, you know, in some people's eyes, been one of their best interior guys for the last couple of years, even when Sheriff was here, but can't stay on the field for a prolonged period of time. Kind of important, availability, great ability. So how do they handle that? You know, again, coming back from concussion, you know, haven't been, haven't been, you know, banging heads, haven't been, you know, blocking, been in the physical part of it. You know, there's only so much fitness you can do for that. I don't know. This 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 rotation at right tackle's fascinating too. All of a sudden Lucas and Cosme are splitting snaps. Been kinda of wild. I mean, I don't know if that's a that's a long haul play or not. If eventually they're gonna tip their hand one way or the other on those two or they think that's the best way to handle it. But that's not your that's not the normal thing. <laughs> but it has worked okay. I mean, they did it for the full Eagles game, they did it last week against the Texans again. I would suspect, you know, for the Falcons game for right now, that's probably what you'll see once again. I think it was just a few snaps in favor of Lucas this past week, and it's because he's a starter maybe, and also we got that last series to end the game. So just kind of how it rotated in, but they were literally just, you know, rotating the two of them to this point. So that's been kind of wild. But I, I don't think we've seen the final version of whatever that, that five group is yet. And, again, it could mean, you know, Switzer back in there at center at some point uh, for Larson if, if in fact, he passes all the physical parts of it in returning. And that extra little buy, like I said, it could be significant uh, in terms of where things go. All right, I see the uh, semifinalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame come out and a Washington player that certainly should be in there someday. Is among the finalists of the modern day players. We'll touch on that. And a couple other things before we get out of here. Coming over the top of the hour. Uh, it is Burgundy and Gold today. Scott Jackson with you here. Team 980 streaming live on the free Odyssey app. Burgundy and Gold today. Team 980 streaming live on the free Odyssey app. Uh, Scott Jackson here with you. Uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame put other semifinalists. Semifinalist list. Hello. Congrats to London Fletcher uh, for making the semifinals. I think London will and should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame someday. He's his first time in the semifinals. Henry Ellard, former um, Los Angeles Ram, Washington Redskin, um, who retired in 98, also for the very first time has made the semifinals, which is interesting. Henry's got some great career numbers, but in terms of former wide receivers that played football here, um, sorry, but Gary Clark should be in. I mean, that's – can't put Henry Elmer in and not have Gary Clark in. I mean, they are – well, I mean, granted, they've already put Drew Pearson in without Gary Clark in, who had – I mean, it's embarrassing. I mean, you don't have to be a mathematician to understand how embarrassing it is. You look at it and see the numbers and, you know, again, this goes back to some of the collateral damage that's been done to this franchise. The Hall of Fame committee uh, and members seems to be one of them. Over these last, I don't know, so many years. I mean, it's incredible. Um, that again, Clark is not in four time Pro Bowl or All Pro, you know, two time Super Bowl champ, retired in the top 10 in yardage, um, 699 receptions, 65 touchdowns, uh, you know, 15 and a half. And this is the guy that, remember, Pete King, um, said was the more, uh, dangerous player for the Giants, and that's what he remembered from talking to Bill Parcells, and this is why they screwed Art Monk for all those years. Yet, in the end, you know, either Pete misremembered or Joe Gibbs kicked somebody in the ass, and they finally got their stuff together, got him in there. Yet, that is not translated into Gary getting any type of, you know, momentum at all over these years to get in. And obviously, he's not even part of this now. Uh, he'd be part, you know, this part of the uh, equation. Um, you know, as far as getting in, but it's it's just crazy um, that he's never gotten any kind of momentum. It's really frustrating, frankly. I mean, he played here, you know, Gary played here the majority of his career, had a couple seasons with the Cardinals and the Giants, and they, excuse me, the Dolphins at the very, very end. But again, 167 games for Clark, 699 receptions, okay? Drew Pearson played in 11 fewer games and had 489 receptions. Yardage is like, Three thousand difference to Clark. Many more touchdowns, seventeen more touchdowns. He didn't. And Gary, you know, played with some really good quarterbacks, but he never played with, I don't know, Roger Stalback, for example. I mean, he didn't. He didn't have the benefit of that. I mean, Ellard played with a lot of different quarterbacks here. Uh, he played with the Rams with, uh, I think, Jim Everett was probably his main quarterback. He didn't always play great quarterbacks. I mean, look, Ellard was really good. He had, jeez, what do you have like eight, seven, eight, uh, thousand yard seasons? He's really good. I mean, North Turner got a lot out of Henry Eller here um, when he came over in 94. I mean, he did a nice job. But, I mean, I just – I don't even see how you can even bring anybody else's name up. And the problem is the further we get down the road in time, you know, the numbers are just going to look like nothing. <laughs> I mean, because there's so many just – there's so many – the receiver numbers are silly now because the rule changes and stuff and the way it's so pass-happy. I mean, some of these old guys are going to get left in the dust because of it, but that's what the veterans committee is supposed to figure out and fix. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad that uh, Fletcher got in the semifinals. I'm surprised to hear that Henry Eller did, to be honest. It's kind of shocking. I don't, I don't know where that came from. And I guess kudos to the Rams. I'm sure it's somebody from the Rams organization that made it happen. Certainly nobody that, you know, from this, from this organization that has seemed to get any headway with their own players. So I, I got a feeling that's all Ram oriented stuff, perhaps. I don't know. I don't know. It's it been, it's been a real problem. I mean, real problem for for a bunch of years now. You know, Jacoby should have been in, still not in. B. Mitch should be in. I mean, it's just, you know, the list is getting longer as time goes on. And, you know, I put London in that mix too now. And, you know, London, you know, for years, they compared his numbers to that of, of course, the great Ray Lewis in London's in a lot of areas were better. You know, did a lot more, more things more impactfully. He didn't, uh, perhaps have as many national TV games, didn't have as great of a walk onto the field, I guess. Uh, you know, certainly didn't become famous at a Super Bowl that he wasn't playing at either. So I don't know. But I mean, whatever it was, I mean, Ray Lewis was a badass. He should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, again, a guy in his time who was literally, you know, doing very similar things with a little less fanfare. You know, he did get a Super Bowl. Um, he did get a Super Bowl, uh, you know, with the Rams and was on some really good Bills defenses as well and obviously very good defenses here. One Fletcher, you know, hopefully he'll hopefully he'll get in. and You know, I just hope whoever the next guy is for the franchise that it brings light to, oh, crap, this guy, you know, is not in either? What, what's going on? I mean, Jacoby was awful close, you know, several years ago and then for some reason it became harder for him uh, after that. You know, I like Tony Baselli. I saw Tony Baselli cover Tony bacelli but you know, he he was really good, but you know, again, his quarterback was left handed. <laughs> I mean the most important the most important lineman on that team was Leon Searcy. You know, the former Steeler who went over there. I mean he he protected Mark Brunel's blind side. And Baselli was great, don't get me wrong, but it was a short career. Um and, no, he should not have gone before Joe Jacoby was on one of the greatest offensive lines in the history of football. But, uh, these things are these things are fascinating with the pro football of him and, and frustrating, too. Frustrating, too. But, anyway, hopefully, hopefully London doesn't have to deal with all the other stuff the other guys before him recently have had to deal with. And he can get in and maybe, um, you know, remind people that there were, despite some of the – off the season, off the field follies here over these last couple decades. Uh, some great football players um, in different eras here that are missing from uh, from Canton that should be in there. Hopefully, that'll happen. I saw this earlier and I meant to uh, mention it. It was very interesting. Now it doesn't mean anything because, look, as they say, "Show me the," as, as Tom Cruise once said in a very famous movie. Show me the money! Or no, he didn't say that. Rod Tidwell said that. Anyway. They both said it. Rod Tidwell said it first. But Ron Rivera said to uh, J.P. Finley on NBC Sports Washington, or NBC Sports, excuse me, uh, that he wants to do everything he can to keep to Ron Payne in the mix with John Allen. He said, you look at the defensive line, you've got those two tackles. You want to keep them together we we'll do everything we can to keep them together. There's been a constant conversation among fans since the offseason when there was the rumor that they were potentially shopping him or trying to trade him. Then, of course, Karan Payne did not get traded, came into the season, has played incredible football. Uh, Rivera did acknowledge he knows it's going to be difficult, but we're going to try to do it. Now, how hard are you going to try? You know, remains to be seen. And they could make him a very fair and reasonable, strong offer. And he may just say, no, I want to go in the free agency, right? I mean, but a new contract would probably be around 19 – Million, 20 million a year, maybe, maybe. I mean, John Allen got eighteen per year. Um, the word, the word inflation, would be used here as to why he would probably get more than Allen, even though you know, I think Allen's still probably the better of the two. But they play very well together. I'm just glad they didn't do anything drastic after the Cowboys incident last year, as people were freaking out at the time. But man, guys have uh, done a great job playing together this year. Been fun to watch. Hopefully, they can keep it going this weekend and throughout the rest of the season. All right, that is about going to do it for us. All right, thanks to Michael, our producer. Uh, Thanks to our guest today, who came through my friend Dave Rothenberg. Also, uh, Dan Matthews from Atlanta, talking Falcons, commanders with us, and Nate Davis from the USA Today. We'll be back with you on Friday on this station and on the other one, uh, the FM dial. With Rick Doc walker from 10 to about 145. Everybody have a great and safe Thanksgiving. If you're traveling, good luck to you. Prayer's up. That's not fun. Uh, enjoyed it. Uh, we'll hopefully to leave, do this many more times post-Thanksgiving. All right, so the Hoffman Show is coming up next for uh, Michael Marr, Scott Jackson, saying so long till next time here on Burgundy Gold Today. Team 980 streaming live on the free Odyssey app.